0: Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm speaking with Manish Seti. Manish is an international best-selling author internet entrepreneur and he is one of the world's foremost experts on the subject of habits and has given keynotes on this subject to numerous audiences including London's Royal Society of Medicine. He's also the founder and CEO of Pavlok, which is a wearable wristband that trains your habits. Manish, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: I'm excited. I can't start
0: So yeah, in, in a nutshell, Pavlok is it's a device that you wear around your wrist That associates a mild electric shock with your bad habit, and this trains your brain to stop liking the habit. Is that a pretty good uh, description? Yeah. Yeah,
1: there's two ways it works. One way is in training mode where it's kind of automatic. So you hook it up with like your alarm clock or your uh, if this, then that. You know, if I walk into McDonald's or if I go on Facebook, it'll start to vibrate, then beep, then send electric shocks. But the most powerful and common way is um, habit breaker mode, where you simply press the button for five days. For five days, you smoke a cigarette or you bite your nails and you press the button manually while you listen to our training sessions. And you'll typically want to put the cigarette down, but you force yourself to stick through with it for about five to 10 minutes a day. And it creates a Pavlovian negative association uh, that becomes permanent. So it's like when you drink too much tequila and then you get sick and then you never like the taste or smell of tequila. If you do, if you zap yourself while you eat sugar, the flavor of sugar changes. You stop liking it, or you get you get uh, nervous reactions to the act of smoking. So it takes about five days, and about sixty percent of our users will quit smoking in those five days.
0: It's crazy because I mean, yeah, I've got confession. Like when I first heard about it, I mean, I thought, hey, that sounds cool. It's a cool little device, but more fun than anything else. But then I've been Mm -hmm. researching and actually finding out about a lot of the science and the research behind this and it's, it's, I mean, there's, there's some serious data and years and years and years like of like history, which is crazy. I, I, it's, it's weird. Cause I literally had no idea about any of this. And I don't think like majority of us have any idea about actually the science behind all this.
1: Yeah. It's, it's nuts when, um, it, like, I, I mean, I started, a I started the company to, to get me off of Facebook cause I was addicted. I used to hire this girl to slap in the face every time I went on Facebook. And then I said, huh, maybe I should just instead build a dog collar that zaps me. Um, and then it was. It took me a year and a quarter before I discovered on the the science of aversion therapy or aversive conditioning and those keywords in, in – and aversion therapy has been around since the 1950s and aversion therapy was uh, where you would go into a doctor's clinic and you would shock yourself while the doctor told you what to do for five days um, and it led to like 60% of users quitting smoking or 55% of users would quit smoking in five days and 80% of nail biters would quit nail biting within five days and that was – we found 21 trials on um, OCD, nail biting, gambling, heroin addiction, prescription drug addiction, um, P- PTSD, even stuff like that. Uh, and so, when we found all these trials, and we like, it blew my mind that even though I had built a device that shocked me for doing bad habits, I didn't discover that there was 60 years of research about shocking to break bad habits until over a year into my company. It's mad. So it's like, and the weird, the weird things. If you mention the word aversion therapy. A lot of people, I'd say the majority of people understand it. They hear the words and they, they, like, they heard it in the past. And they, asso- they associate it with, with a negative, with like electric shock therapy, mm. with like Clockwork Orange. Sure. And uh, it's a funny story because there, there's like hundreds of clinics in America closed in the mid 90s because America got afraid of the word shock. There was a couple of big media pushes that led to like the closing of aversion therapy as a science even though it was proven and effective, it became long lost because of social reasons. So that was what was interesting to me.
0: Yeah, no, because I, I found that was really interesting because, like you said, when you know, when I was reading it and I was suddenly hearing, like, aversion, shock therapy, you immediately have, like, these negative connotations. Yeah. But, like, realizing that, it actually, real. in the 60s and 70s, like, yeah, you would just people would go there and this would be a sort of standard procedure. And then it had one or two, as you mentioned, you had, um, really, like, yeah, negative cases. And then that sort of tarnished years and years of actually really positive data because that was used incorrectly on a couple of cases people who were like homosexuals and stuff like that and it was how how was that used and what was what was actually the negative um yeah what, what was that it was used it was it used a couple of like really dodgy cases and then that ruined actually the positive use of it yeah
1: i mean it was it was like uh in some of the early studies they would test it on on um breaking homosexuality and it didn't work obviously uh, and so it led to in the middle in the mid nineties, it was like, it was big on gay rights. Uh so it, you know, sh- like shock away the gay became like a headline and it became a uh big pull to get rid of aversion therapy throughout the world. Um and it was right during America's pivot into positive psychology where like we can only say nice things, every kid gets a trophy, um, never say anything bad. And so it just came at a it's at the pendulum. Like there's a big a lot of talk about does positive reinforcement work better than negative reinforcement? And I'll argue that forever, but it's like, obviously there's a lot of benefits to positive reinforcement for sure. Sure. And, but the problem is the pendulum is like flipped all the way to where it's only positive. You can't say anything bad. God forbid you punish somebody for doing something wrong. Um, and so the pendulum got too far off, off whack to the point that anything negative, especially anything with the word shock in it is not allowed. It's like you instantly think of it, of only the bad stuff. Mm. Um, but that's because it's, it's – I don't know. I, I was talking to this yesterday. Uh, we, were, we were working with a medical team and starting to figure out like the science behind like, – but there's a type of quitting smoking where you just force yourself to over-smoke cigarettes. So you like take rapid puffing and you like hold it and you keep making it. And all of the theories of, um, of aversion therapy say that it should work just as fine, that like causing a negative aversion by overpuffing which burns your lungs a little bit and like is a negative feeling. Should work, and there's a lot of evidence that it works in conjunction with electric stimulation. But in long term studies, they found that there's a it just doesn't work as well that, that uh, rapid puffing doesn't work alone as well. And um, the theories that the, the team I'm working with have been talking about has to do with some kind of actual chemical or bio, bio reaction to the electric stimulation itself that there's something inbuilt within, you, within our bodies that reacts in a specific way to electricity, um, having to do with we were trying to diagnose why uh, reasons being like evolutionarily. Is it because the loud noise of thunder that's associated with lightning or is it because more interestingly, the way that we navigated when we were like multicellular organisms as we grew into a, um, into beings like wasn't through an electrical field. So like, for example, great white sharks have really a lot of problems when they put great white sharks into a big uh, aquarium because they're, uh, they, they navigate with electric stimulation, and the glass in the aquariums, they can't see it, so they just pound glass forever. So is there some sort of like electric stimulation that humans as an evolutionary or as that mammals as a species learned that when used on the human body creates or provokes a specific reaction? So I'm not sure. Um, we're not sure. What we do know is that there's some studies that have shown different types of aversives for different types of habits work more effectively than others. So we know very well that electric stimulation works a lot better on smoking, on like uh, body, uh, body uh, behaviors, uh, like automatic body behaviors, like nail picking, uh, nail biting, head scratching, like tells for gambling players. Um, and we know that aversives that are uh, taste or smell related, like uh, like a bad smell, are more effective for uh, flavors or foods. So like if you want to make yourself stop liking. Um, alcohol or sugar mm. it's more effective that to not use the shock and to use instead of bad smell um, so we're playing around with what all those things mean in the context of our business but I find that it's really interesting to see that like to take what we've found and now that we're like the only company doing this to really delve into what what is it in the human body that makes it happen and how can we use that information to really help people make change that they can't fail mm. and just yeah, it's
0: no, I was going to say, just to sort of um, give a sort of a contrast between these two. Okay, so what from the, you know, the 1670s when uh, smokers would go to a clinic five days in a row and they'd receive like an electric shock. Okay, what was the sort of success rate of that compared to, say, uh, nicorette patches today? What Because nicorette patches, what, that was six or 7% or something? It's, it's, it's really yeah, low, it's, isn't so, it?
1: So, yeah, it's really low. So, if you go quick cold turkey, uh, you have a five percent success rate of, of being smoke free six months later. If you quit using a nicotine patch, it's seven point five percent effective. Okay. Which means that it's fifty percent more effective than quitting
0: culture. <laughs> that's like the poster <laughs> uh, advertising. Like poster, they can actually right? stand behind yeah. that. But yeah, okay. They're like a big ass
1: asterisk. <laughs> uh, and it's like, um, and then then like so, and that's if you wear a nicotine patch for six months straight. And so it's a uh, it's a very profitable, expensive, ineffective treatment, and um, and with so in the in the study that got me excited uh, about Pavlov, the, the study that made me knew we were onto something was about um, it was done at a, at a, a treatment facility over in, in Seattle, Washington, uh, called the Schickshadel facility, and they do uh, electric stimulation to quit addictions, and um, so anyway. Uh, they, had, they brought in a group of 832 two pack a day smokers who had been smoking for about 20 years I think on average and um, they gave them uh, five days of I think it was five days of therapy where for about half an hour, 20 minutes to half an hour they did the aversive training session so okay, step in that booth and bring a cigarette up to your mouth zzz, now light it, zzz, now puff it zzz, and they would do that for about 20 to 30 minutes straight five days the next week they had a one one more time booster session so, the sixth time. And then they had like a phone call once every week for the next six weeks, and that was the end. So, it was six days total of aversion. And a year later, so not even six months, but a year later, uh, 55% of them had not smoked a single cigarette. Yeah, 55. That's, uh, That's it was 40, 42% of the people who went to went back to a smoking household, and 61% of the people who went back to a non smoking household had not touched a single cigarette in the last year after five, six days of complete therapy. So I read that study and then when I got – when I read it deeper and it was all on um, self-administered behavior that was done for a matter of six days, it blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, we already have this device. And like our software team was like not up to par yet, but our hardware was done. And I was like, we've been trying to like – we've been holding back on selling our product for months because we didn't have any – software ready to like automate all the systems. But it turns out that the hardware is done that we can just sell what we already have. So uh, when we started, when we discovered that and then we started sending it out and users were quitting smoking with it. And then we did a couple experiments with it and we were like, Holy crap, like we've stumbled on something accidentally. That's actually really powerful and also clinically proven.
0: And that's crazy because the, the the key thing there, I mean, is I mean, there's lots of key takeaways, but it was the fact that it wasn't you know somebody else necessarily always shocking you it's, it's, it, by having it self-administered, so you're actually uh, shocking yourself. I mean, is that is that vastly more powerful because you're actually the one who's actually consciously giving yourself that um, yeah the punishment, not the punishment, but The, the mean,
1: theory the shock. is that uh, my theory is that uh, when it shocks you. It's operant conditioning. It's punishment. Yeah. It's uh, there's like when you shock yourself. It's classical conditioning. It's Pavlovian. And I think a lot a lot of it has to do with um, with autonomy, um, with our body being restricted. Like I've I okay. So right now, for example, twice during our talk, uh, I've gone on Hacker News because I have a habit of that. And every time I go on Hacker News, it gives me a shock. And it happens twice, already on this call. And it's, it's, it's effective as a reminder. But there's sometimes a lag between when the uh, shock hits me and when I go on the site, which makes me confused. I don't know why I'm getting shocked. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I was on Hacker News. And sometimes, um, especially at the beginning, it would become like uh, really annoying because I would have a lot of things set up and I didn't have notifications running. And so like I would just be getting shocked all the time and getting pissed off at my device and being like confused. I would want to take it off. Um, what I've noticed is that the automation is really effective as like a trainer or like a, um, like a, like a, a reminder. Um, it'll help me catch myself and slowly like re- reduce doing the thing. But, but when I did this on, like, because it's, because it's automated, it's like, uh, I have to do the bad action and then I get shocked. I have to do the bad action. I got shocked. Then I stopped wanting to do that action. So I stopped getting shocked and I stopped doing the bad action. Right. Yeah. Cool. But tomorrow, I'm still probably going to check it, and then I'm going to get reminded again, and it'll it'll slowly disappear. But with and that's fine, and it works very well. It works very well, and we're testing it out now how effective it is comparatively to the uh, so manual-based shock. But with manual shock, it's it's a process in which you think about the reasons why you're doing it, and you focus powerfully on the pain, and you force yourself to do it. So there's a little bit of self-control here; you're the one in control of the situation, and you make yourself overdo it. And what happens there is where you get to this physical aversion towards that action. Like the idea of Hacker News will, will rapidly cause you to become aware. And like, they, like I did this on Facebook when I was uh, getting started where like making myself go to Facebook and shocking myself. And within two days, it was just gone. Like I didn't want to go back. Like I didn't want to. Um, with like tortilla chips, which is when I did it on, it made me – I get actually like uh, sick to my stomach when I see the Tostitos logo, and it's been over a year. So I think permanent. Uh, I think permanent for permanent change, you need to do it uh, manually. That's our theory. We, we're we're still checking.
0: What's the difference between our reptile brain and our prefrontal cortex? Like the reptile brain is just two things. It's just it's just interested in pain and pleasure. Is that why?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know more than I do. Uh, so. The way it works is that uh, your habits are stored back here in your basal ganglia and that's um, – it's also known as your reptile brain and um, that part of your body is light, – it lights up about 40 percent of the day. It's where habits are stored. It's like when you go in the shower, you probably can't even think about what hand you reach for the soap with and where you start cleaning on your body but that is – but it always is the same. If you monitor yourself, you'll notice it's almost always identical. And um, that's also where you have some of your best ideas because your automation brain is handling all the activities it's doing. So it frees up ability for the rest of your brain to think. Now, your prefrontal cortex is where your thought is stored. It's also where willpower is, it's where language is, it's where consciousness is. And that's right here. That's overdeveloped in humans. And um, and so when when you are trying to do a new activity, when um, you're trying to format habit. let's say you want to start exercising. Well, exercise requires a lot of willpower. And willpower is a depleting resource that starts here. And you can see throughout the day willpower depletion under an fMRI machine. You can see brain activity receding backwards the, uh, as you as you go on through your day or if you don't get enough sleep or if you are um, – and, and you always revert to whatever habits you have stored, which is ironic because some people have really good habits. But, uh, so when they like want to – when they get tired or lazy or their willpower is depleted, they'll, be, they'll go to the gym and exercise or – you know, they'll write because that's what they've always done. And it's only a matter of consistency. There's, there's whatever you've done for a year in a row, you're going to keep doing, you know, like for me, it's go home, and watch Netflix for other people. It might be go home and um, eat unhealthy food for other people it might be go home and meditate. It's, it's, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, is, is stored here. Um, and so when you, uh, when you start forming, a new habit, like uh, exercise every day after breakfast, I'm going to go to the gym. You'll see a lot of activity here at the beginning where the person's deciding Do I deciding about shoes? Deciding about am I actually going to go? What clothes am I going to wear? All these are new activities for a person, and it requires willpower. And um, and so every day the person does that activity in a row, you'll see more and more. It becomes automated until like you just find yourself at the gym. You just as soon as you get to the gym, just you naturally go to the to the barbell squat rack and pick up stuff. Um, It just kind of becomes natural. So uh, what happens? It's interesting with uh, with the shock is that. You're, there's like a there's a conversational barrier between your reptile brain and your prefrontal cortex, which typically is really bad. In most, like until today, it's been really bad because even though you want to quit smoking, you want to quit smoking. Your habit brain can't hear that because it doesn't understand language. Your habit brain only understands pain and pleasure and nothing else. It does what it always does, and it likes things that are good and it doesn't like things that are bad. And so. When you ask it to go to the gym, that's asking it to do something new. It resists. It wants to do what it's always done. But what the good side is, is that because it can't hear, it only, it only knows pain and pleasure. If you associate a shock at the moment of doing something bad, even if the reptile brain likes it, like smoking, it makes the reptile brain confused because it can't hear. It doesn't know that you're doing it to yourself. It doesn't understand that. There's no language. It just knows that it likes to smoke. It is smoking. But suddenly it doesn't like the smoking anymore. Now it's starting to hurt when he does the smoking. And the reptile brain isn't sure if the smoking is causing the shock or if the shock is causing the smoking or if they're completely unrelated. All it knows is that they're happening at the same time. And so what happens is that within a day, it knocks more information up to the prefrontal cortex to make it more aware. It makes you notice the cravings and urges because it's like, it's like a warning signal. It's like, I like this activity because it's good for me, because pleasure is good and pain is bad. Suddenly, yesterday, I didn't feel any pleasure during this activity. I'm not sure what's going on, so I'm going to ask daddy brain to be aware. And so you'll see this with nail biters where by day two, they become aware of themselves biting their nails for the first time. Uh, and that's kind of what I think is happening it's like a, it's, almost,
0: it's almost like a, a pattern interrupt almost you know so is it when you're doing these things which are that you're not even thinking about it then suddenly it's this big like alert alert and then does that that forms that communication for the very first time between these two parts exactly. of the brain that's so interesting exactly. does like and then also like the idea of pain or the idea of um, something negative is that, is that more powerful than the promise of something good or, or something along those lines isn't it um, for example, oh, fear of loss more motivational than the potential for reward. Exactly. What, what is that? Can you say that again?
1: Fear of loss is more motivational than the potential for reward.
0: Is that linked into the to this? Like in terms of yeah, yeah, for habits? sure. Um, it is. It's like the idea of um, yeah,
1: it definitely it's definitely so when you're starting to for, so I we're, we're jumping around a lot between forming good habits and breaking yeah, bad so habits. So it's,
0: it's a scattergun. So I they, just like they're
1: very, I mean, they're very different, but they're also in the same ballpark. Um, when you're starting a new behavior. It's uh, – like if I asked you to do 10 push-ups yeah. and I said I'd give you $5, you might do it. But if I took five bucks out of your wallet and I said I'll give you back these $5 if you do 10 push-ups, you're far more likely to do it. And they showed study after study of this where if people put money on the line, like if I go to the gym, I'll receive a reward that kind of motivates people. But if I don't go to the gym, I lose a reward. That's far more motivational, especially at the beginning of a habit. So we found that like what happens is that there's a a battling uh, there's a battling uh, line where the the people will be motivated to do an activity, but they'll also be motivated to cheat. So I I, if I I lose ten bucks if I don't go to the gym, well the letter of the law says all I have to do is go to the gym, but then I can leave. So, they'll just do that first part. But it is incredibly powerful at the beginning to get the habit started. Now, if you make that a core fear of loss for a baseline, so all you have to do is go to the gym or else you lose 10 bucks. But if you spend 15 minutes at the gym, then you receive a reward. So, you combine them. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's then it
1: creates a very big incentive to make habits last. So, we found that that's, that's that combining the two. We did this before and we're going to bring it back into our app where it's like, you basically put down money saying, I, I commit to a goal or, or it'll either post on your Facebook wall, uh, lock your phone and internet, uh, <laughs> charge you money or shock you if you like, don't go to the gym on time. And then once you get there, the more days you go there, you actually, re- uh, you receive a reward, uh, of, of, of is the, you'll, you'll find out in about six months. Uh, so <laughs> that stuff, um, will be happening. Um, so yeah, that, that's a powerful way to help you, um, create new behavior change. It's like, um, if you set a bet with a friend saying, like, hey, if I, I'm going to go to the gym for the next six weeks, and if I miss one day, I'll pay you 50 bucks per day, and I have to text you by 10 a.m. where I'm going to go. It only takes one minute of willpower, like one moment. Uh, once that bet is set, for the next six weeks, you're going to go, mm. and it's pretty powerful.
0: And then you you mentioned that you sort of, like – you sort of stumbled upon this kind of thing and you didn't actually, you're like, shit, like, oh my god we might actually have something, like, big here, like how, mm. now that you kind of start to see this research and then you know, there's a lot more to go, but you're seeing it kind of coming in, h- how big or like, do you think this could be, like how, how, what kind of bigger change, you know, because I know you've, you know, th- you can smoking alone, like if, it would be, like, imagine if that got up to, like 40, 50%, that alone would completely transform, like, the world but, like, how how big do you see this going
1: I think it's gonna go big. Uh yeah, I mean it's it's like it's a it's a weird time because so many things are happening right now. Um I feel like we happen to have this very interesting take on human behavior that nobody's really been approaching. And so I mean, this is just the start. We're actually like bad habits are fascinating, but uh addictions are really powerful, but it's not my my drive. Mm. The company I think is much bigger and our focus is on behavior, human behavior. And it's like Quitting addictions is one thing, and I think it's a problem that's unsolved, but we can solve it uh, more powerfully and potentially very powerfully. Combining it with sensors and upcoming integrations, uh, I think that we can have a lot more power on human behavior. But what I'm really working on is much deeper. It has to do with um, a motivational currency. Um, I can't talk too much about it, but I'm trying to build something that uh, upsets the understanding of what value is. Um, Essentially right now we're, we're like the idea of the dollar is that we're paid on do for doing something that somebody else wants us to do. And my theory is that we should be paid for doing what we want ourselves to do because we've approached this post-scarcity society, at least for most of us uh, who are listening to the show. And so uh, my, my goal is to completely upset uh, currency distribution. It'll be very interesting to see if it, if it makes sense to you what I'm kind of getting, what I'm getting at in the next year or so. But uh, we're, uh this the the but right now what we've been looking at is our company does so much stuff so when you focus on behavior you can do so much like um upcoming stuff has to do with improving memory and improving navigational awareness and those things are are parts of our product that just use vibration um, a good example is time so every fifteen minutes on the hour i have an app running where It will vibrate my wrist uh, once on the 15 mark, twice on the 30, three times on the 45. And uh, it gives you a zap of the hour on the hour. It's like uh, church bells. And suddenly you don't need to look at your watch anymore. You always know what time it is. It's just subconscious. And so subconscious learning to me is really powerful.
0: Last question. What does a fulfilled life mean to you? Yeah, uh, to me, I found that
1: it's actually optimizing for your personality strengths. Uh, I think that everybody kind of has this idea of what good is, but they never really look what their own questions about themselves are. Uh, To me, for me, uh, a fulfilled life for me is building something greater than myself. Uh, It took a long time to build this. When I was in my digital nomad days, I used to think that digital nomading was so cool, but I noticed that I could never get a project done because it was me moving around. And I realized that having a group of people around me that has a shared vision that allows me to play to my strengths, and my strengths are definitely an idea generation and not an execution um, I'm very bad at doing, but I'm very good at knowing what needs to be done. Um, so finally optimizing for that and instead of feeling bad about not being able to do, um, I started to focus on creating systems where I can free up my own brain to think about good ideas and then let them become my filtering and execution system uh, has been very powerful for me. So a fulfilled life for me is letting me do the things that I want to do, which is freedom and idea
0: generation. Manish thank you so much for this I really appreciate it it's been awesome talking to you good luck with it and yeah I'll be watching with interest